Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis Show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Before we dive headfirst in today's groundbreaking and perspective-altering episode, I want to share a 60-second audio with you explaining my digital holistic nutrition certification program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is a brand new recording, and I'm really excited to share it with you, so indulge me for 60 seconds and enjoy. Welcome to Holistic Health Mastery, the master's class of natural nutrition. This unique online certification program offers unparalleled wisdom on health, living foods, detoxification, longevity, and personal empowerment. Access a curriculum designed to offer far beyond the traditional teachings of nutrition, merging ancient wisdom with cutting-edge science, all delivered through an easy-to-use platform. Study each lesson at the comfort of your own home, on any device. Access over 70 video lessons and start from anywhere in the program. You are in control of the pace, where even a daily 20-30 to 30 minute investment is enough to complete the course within six months. Once you're ready, take the quiz and you're on your way to be certified as a holistic health master. In addition, you'll have access to extra features, such as monthly student support calls and an online community of students and masterminds actively discussing and sharing insights to support your education. It's time to invest in yourself and in future generations to come. Join the new leaders of natural nutrition and become a significant part of building a new paradigm in health and consciousness. So there you have it. That is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, and I'm so excited to continue to share this amazing opportunity with people all over the world. We have over 200 plus students from all over the world, and it's constantly growing. The feedback that I get on this is just really amazing, beyond my original expectations. So if you want to find out more information about this, you want to get in more details, you want to review the curriculum, or you're just ready to enroll right now, go to holistichealthmastery.com. And if you enter in the coupon code R-O-N-L-E-E, that's Ron Lee, you're going to get 10% off your enrollment fee, which can be pretty significant depending on which plan you choose for yourself. Again, that link is holistichealthmastery.com. Use the coupon code Ron Lee. Okay, so let's get on with today's show. In this episode, I bring on author and speaker Adam Hart, and he wrote an amazing book that released a number of years ago called The Power of Food. And this interview took a number of twists and turns. What I really love about Adam's message, this conversation, and his particular focus is that he really talks about the process involved in changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, 
changing your mind, going from the thought patterns and the habitual patterns that had become familiar and that we just get inundated with, that we get used to over our lifetime, that get built up and reinforced in our behavior, and how to ch- not only how to change that, but giving people a roadmap and a depth of perspective on the process involved. And I think that is a very underrated perspective. That is certainly something that I talk about a lot in my work is giving people the perspective that it took you uh, your whole life to get to where you're at today. So it's going to take you a little bit of time to get to where you want to be in life. And you need to have patience. You need to have a plan of action. You need to have some kind of goal associated with the transformation of your lifestyle and your life. And I just really appreciate the way that he communicates and weaves different elements of the nutrition puzzle. He really speaks from the perspective of helping people that we would call like the the masses per se, that we might call standard Americans, um, you know, without the judgment that might be associated with that, because ultimately and honestly speaking, every single one of us that is listening to this, me, myself included, who's leading these podcasts, and a lot of people look at me, I've, I've found over the years as, uh, obviously as a leader, um, and uh, some people have even called me like Superman, and I, I find that slightly flattering, but if they really understood the process that I've gone through over the last 15 years of my life, 20 years of my life, then it would become a little more obvious to the kind of conviction that I have and why I am so disciplined and focused and I adhere to a certain path and a certain way of thinking. It wasn't overnight. It took me my entire life to get to this point, and it's going to take me a long time to get to where I want to go in my life, and I recognize that, and patience is the game, fortitude is the game, but again, it doesn't happen overnight, and each one of us came from the standard American model of eating food um, and living our life, living under the status quo expectations of society. And this interview really dives deep into that process. And Adam has an incredible story about how he basically pulled himself out of the depths of uh, his own, I guess you could call it his own, um, I don't know if he would use this word, but I, I say his own despair, or his own complacency of sorts, and pulled himself out of food allergy issues pulled himself out of a, um, a standard American diet and a standard American lifestyle, even though he's from Canada, so I guess that's kind of a um, maybe not standard American per se, but I think my point is pretty obvious. He pulled himself out of the status quo and really started to live his dreams. And that's what I love about this conversation. He really focuses on the practical day-to-day, step-by-step aspects of what it is to create your ideal lifestyle. And this was an amazing episode, amazing conversation. There's so much electricity between us, enthusiasm, passion, and so many practical insights and strategies 
that virtually anybody that listens to this interview is going to get a number of gemstones that they can immediately apply to their life no matter where you're coming from. You can immediately take action and immediately get results at the same time. So it's a great pleasure of mine to introduce to all of you Adam Hart and the power of food. Enjoy. After dealing with his lifelong health issues, Adam realized so many of his friends and family were struggling with the same symptoms he was. They were overstressed, undernourished, and unhappy. Adam made it his mission to share the good news with them of the idea that you can start living with more energy today without ever having to give up anything in order to get it. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, like we were kind of saying before we got on, I feel like it's been a long time coming on my end. And a really cool thing about having this podcast is that it's a great way to connect with incredible individuals like you that may have been on my radar, but, you know, the opportunity to connect in this way hadn't presented itself. So what a what a great way to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, podcasting is a uh, just a nice way for our community to uh, get to know each other even even a little bit deeper and share a nice, powerful message together. So again, I, I appreciate this time with you. Mm, absolutely, and yeah, let's just jump right in. I mean, the first place that I want to start with you is having you just share with us a bit about your backstory and what led you to do the work that you do now. Yeah, I was. Uh, it, I mean, right from a young age, I had a very poor relationship to food, um, and that ultimately led to a very poor relationship to myself and my emotional state. But I was diagnosed with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, when I was about 12 or so. And, um, you know, when you're that young and uh, all over the place, as a baby boomer parent, you're kind of not so sure what to do. To support your kids, so I, I was uh, I was put on uh, on medication to support uh, that experience, and I, I mean I know now it had a lot to do with the fact that I, I lived with uh, Coca Cola in one hand and a chocolate mm. bar in the other for a lot of my childhood. But uh, you know when, when you're uh, when you're in it, you don't realize what what's happening, and that that relationship with food um, in a poor way continued. Um, you know, in the long story short version is I ended up. Uh, Putting myself through university, working at a pizza restaurant, <laughs> and I, I was the manager of the restaurant, which gave me unlimited access uh, <laughs> to as much pizza. <laughs> and I took full advantage, and I, I ballooned up to about uh, just over two hundred pounds. I mean, I was never obese, but I was definitely husky. But I, I was not feeling good. And when I graduated uh, college, which here in, in Canada, it's university, I, I, I put, I started doing operations for a company. Uh, in the Toronto uh, area and started to experience uh, pretty extreme stress. And I know that's a, a common uh, term we hear now, extreme stress, and everyone's got it. But, uh, you know, this is about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, it led to me having bouts of depression, uh, bouts, bouts of anxiety, uh, just things that I, I'd never really had experienced before. I was diagnosed with fresh fruit syndrome, so uh, food allergies to apples, peaches, pears, plums, carrots, celery. Uh, essentially, my immune system was crashing on me and uh, was given more medication. Uh, I was told I had high cholesterol and 
and, and pre-diabetic. And so that, that was kind of like my rock bottom was getting that prescription for high cholesterol medication saying, well, there's something wrong with this, this case. And I looked at all my family and friends and we were all living the same way, not connected to how we were feeling and, and had nice things around us, but yet our, our health was not a priority. And uh, I took it upon myself to stop listening to what everybody else was telling me to do and uh, went inward and discovered a whole world I didn't realize was accessible and to this day continue to, to self-explore in a way where I'm, I'm every day I'm, I'm amazed at what I'm discovering about myself and, and capable of doing. And it's a really amazing place. Mm, that's amazing. Um, and it's such a common kind of storyline um, that so many of us have in just awakening to the power of food, right? And awakening to our sensitivities, and it's an interesting thing. I say a lot of times in my lectures, the power of living foods and cleansing and stripping away essentially all the crap from our body is that you become more sensitive, and then eventually you become more sensible. And then you start to make better choices, and it becomes like second nature. But but starting out, sometimes it can be kind of a slippery slope because, like you said, you were so deep in the experience of, yeah. you know, having Coca-Cola in one hand, having a chocolate bar in the other. Like, it's kind of like telling a fish about water, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't really get it because you're so deep in it. But then when you have a moment of clarity or sobriety, um, you kind of get, get a little bigger idea. So I'm just, uh, you know, with that said, you know, were there any certain um, uh, steps or anything in particular that, that uh, sparked an awakening for you that led you to, you know, besides just the, the symptoms, I get that part, but like things that you did that caused you to kind of awaken a little bit further. Yeah, there's, there's definitely two, two very significant uh, experiences that I had that showed me a result. I didn't realize uh, I had access to the, the first, the first piece for me was when I finally said, okay, I'm not listening anymore to everybody else telling me what to do. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out for myself. Um, when I look back at that decision now, I know it led me to discovering things, to the universe opening up this 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 process of aligning with intention. That um, uh, it's it's just such a profound um, understanding of how manifestation works. Um, for me, I got very lucky because I didn't know the sequence on how to use intention properly at the time, mm. and I discovered a sport that allowed me to tap into a connection to breath, such as those who meditate or, or, or do yoga or whatever it is that you need to connect to your inner peace. For me, it was rock climbing. Mm. And I, I in, in mid-1990s, maybe 97, 98, I had uh, been rollerblading downtown Toronto with a friend of mine. We were both overweight, both looking for a little activity, but didn't want to buy another gym membership because every gym membership we both had bought in the past spent tons of money doing so, and every one of them left us feeling guilty and frustrated because we'd miss a day or two or three, and, and then we wouldn't want to go anymore because we don't want to feel like that. And so when I discovered the climbing, uh, it was a real powerful uh, awakening, uh, really based because of the anxiety I was suffering from on a daily basis. It became a beautiful, controlled um, environment for me to push myself a little bit past my past comfort zone of where most of my time was spent on the couch watching TV so I didn't have to think about how my life was going. And uh, for sure, the first few times I went out and got on the rock inside the climbing gym and 
uh, I had panic attacks and, and lots of pain and sweating and, um, and emotional turmoil, but something inside of me connected um, beyond what I was able to explain at the time, but I, I got addicted to the feeling and the release of, you know, now knowing the chemical release of what, um, of what that does, um, it was definitely a, a very euphoric feeling. And uh, I, just, I just used that as my, okay, here's an experience I've never had before. I really love the way this feels. It's all I know on how to get it very much as somebody who would be addicted to whatever else that is that gives them that experience. Um, I just dove into that sport as, as my drug and eventually used it as my escaping, uh, my escape plan and, and left Toronto, the environment that was not the healthiest for me in my addictive personality around just non uh, non-connection to the consumption of everything that I was doing, uh, food especially, and moved out to uh, the mountains in British Columbia and pursued the mountain culture. And um, that's where the second the second big aha came in. Is all of a sudden I'm I'm living in a small community which is called Golden, um, close to Lake Louise and the, just across the British Columbia border. And it's a, a, a town full of mountain athletes and mountain guides. And I said to myself, well, I guess this is just what everybody does out in British Columbia, which it's not, but it didn't matter because uh, it's the only experience I knew. So I said, okay, I'm going to become a mountain guide and started to train for the rock climbing and skiing and ice climbing, all these amazing sports. And I found out really quick that my pre-diabetic diet of processed um, uh, definitely tons of processed uh, grain-based products as well as uh, just frying, lots of stir-fry, so frying all my vegetables, so really living on off very little nutrients, wasn't going to help me um, in that pursuit and really started to learn about food. And when I added in the food component in conjunction with being in nature in an athletic pursuit, um, wow, it was just uh, <laughs> nothing was holding me back after that. That's really great. I, <clears throat> I can resonate with pretty much everything you're saying because I was, I was raised as an athlete in two different sports. And I remember growing up feeling very, um, you know, I had anxiety. I had agitation. I don't know if I knew that at the time, but I did know that I wasn't really content. And the only way that I could mobilize that energy into something useful and something cathartic was through movement and was through mm -hmm. the pursuit of you know, adopting a championship-like mentality, and, and it kind of drove me. And so now as an adult, I really, in the work that I do as a nutrition specialist, I really urge people to use food as fuel and not make food kind of like their religion without some kind of, without some kind of pursuit or some kind of goal attached to it. So that's why I really feel like movement and, and having some kind of like positively competitive uh you know activity even if you're competing with yourself something that that causes your body to be in mo uh mobility causes your body to be in movement and it also challenges you so you continue to keep growing and then the food just becomes fuel to support that goal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah especially if you take it outside and and you're you know you're grounding at the same time you're yeah. somehow you're physically connected to the to the energetic force that's out there, it, it's just got such powerful healing properties mm. that support that support your ability to experience a result um, relatively quick. Mm. Uh, it's just yeah, it's just that you know when you're hopped up on sugar, 
especially again based on the grain based style diet, then it's really hard to to fuel that. And when you lack the fueling, then um, you know it, it's too easy to keep falling into your habitual traps. And so you, you really, yeah, you really gotta you gotta slap yourself pretty hard in a way that gets you <laughs> out out into into the environment that you know is going to be more supportive to you having a different experience. Oh, I really like that. You know, it's like uh, the success uh, speaker, Les Brown, would often say that if you don't act on life, life will act on you. So you kind of have to be proactive about it. Like we will get slapped around from time to time, but maybe we could do the slapping um, proactively and then it wakes us up and then our, our nervous system activates and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm awake. And then I can then you, you're not kind of inundated or indoctrinated um, with just the, the uh, how do you say, um, I guess the status quo of life, just kind of getting by, but being insensitive to maybe some of the signals or symptoms that want to be announced in your body. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the beauty of, of where we are at in the time in history, um, more and more people are, are just exhausted of being exhausted. Right. So they, they are, they're, you know, we're all seeking out ways to, um, to enhance our, our own cognitive and physical performance. Uh, and, you know, when we put ourselves in a position of sharing with others on how we've done it ourselves, um, it, it, it's really, we have that role in understanding how to put package that someone else can consume in a way that's as easy for them to digest as possible. That's for me that that kind of has grown into that's all I'm meant to do. It's meant to find the easiest way for others to have an experience as quickly as possible mm. so that they know they have a choice. And I, I choose energy as the result. So I, my only my only role is to give somebody else access to even a slightly enhanced level of energy so that they know it exists, so that they know they then can have a choice to, to have more of that. Oh, I really like that one. Um, you know, with that said, let's talk about the power of food and what does that mean to you? I mean, that's obviously the title of your your book that you released a few years ago, beautiful looking book. Um, why did you choose the power of food as the title? Well, you know, in 2003, so 13 years ago, I was uh, coming up with a plan on how to build a lifestyle around what I had discovered around food and around supporting my own mental, physical wellness. And I thought to myself, well, I was going to become a mountain guide. And, you know, there, there, there was a time where I had went, I went back to Toronto and visited with family and, and was sharing what I had learned about nutrition and um, kind of put them through a bit of a coaching program, took them around the grocery store, went to their homes, taught them how to cook with more plants um, and, and just had such amazing results from the experience and, and, and tracked the data based on what they were experiencing and thought to myself, wow, this, this, this is nothing I ever learned in school for one, but it's nothing I never had in a corporate setting, how to use my own energy to enhance my, my corporate performance based on my own productivity and uh, creativity and, and thought to myself, well, this would be a really neat idea to bring in, into the corporate wellness world. And I was told for years, well, Adam, you're ahead of the curve. You're ahead of the curve on this, which is just ridiculous when it comes to understanding how putting the right fuel, like you mentioned, is so critical. But I thought to myself, well, I got to come up with a name. I got to come up with something that's going to be catchy and I can actually get the URL for, 
which back in 2003 was still relatively a new a new idea. Um, and uh, did some some search around and, and saw powerfood.com, and I was like, wow, that's a that's a great name. Uh, I'm just going to grab that and and incorporate it and, and trademark it and all that stuff. And that's so that it's stuck, and to this day, it still resonates um, very deep with me because I, I continually use that power of food idea to enhance my relationship with myself. So it, it really hits home. Mm. Got it. You know, part of your story, you talk about um, having having over food allergies. I'd love for you to talk to us about the connection between food allergies and a compromised immune system. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a long one, eh? <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, I know. For you know, one of the first things that I think you would discover anybody who sits down and starts to research a little bit about nutrition is the majority of your immune system is based in your gut. So it, it's it's all of a sudden it's like wow, okay, so whatever I eat is automatically going to correspond to a result based on my um, my immune function because if my food is not in a, in a digestible form, well, it's going to impact the way my body performs. You know, and I, and I get asked all the time, you know, are you, are you a digestitarian or are you a, a, a vegan, Adam? Are you a raw foodie? Are you a vegetarian? And I, and I tell people, you know what, if you need a label for me, call me a digestitarian. Mm. Uh, because that's essentially what I follow. I follow a model where I just, I just want to eat as, as as though I'm I'm loving and nourishing and caring about my digestive process as much as I can, which means the food that I choose to eat more often than not is the easiest on my digestion. And that seems to shift from a moment-to-moment basis, which means you need a real deep connection to yourself and to to the the, the communication channel between your gut and your biome and your and your mental state. And I noticed that when I started to focus more on, on on opening up that connection, it automatically led to me introducing foods that were more supportive in all aspects, but definitely immune function. And I healed my food allergies. It took a couple of years, and that was mainly because I didn't have that communication channel um, at a level where, where it was really truly being honored. Um, but now... And I think it was at a point where I realized I'm not addicted to sugar anymore. Holy crap! This is mm. like wow. This is this is such an amazing position to find myself in, standing in front of whatever uh, you know cookie aisle would have been my old nemesis, and and just staring at all the old cookies I would eat, and nothing, not not having a feeling of any kind related to wanting to pick them up. And it was at that moment where I realized that my immune system was actually working. And my ability to, to, to feel the best that I could feel at that time was working. And I started to test the allergies and realized that they, they were gone. Mm. Uh, now, I'm not recommending that somebody go and, and do this and test it. And obviously, you want to work with a medical professional. But for me, it really was a feeling. I just, I, just, I just recognized at some point that, you know what? I don't have an allergy to hazelnuts anymore. It's gone. I don't have an allergy. And, uh, and it worked for me. Well, that's a powerful principle that you're touching on, right? It's an intuitive nudge that you're receiving. And I think that we have been um, bred out very realistically. That intuitive understanding or knowledge has been bred out of us or it's been educated out of us to some extent where we don't really trust those insights when they come up. And 
it's not like you're just using the power of positive thinking like oh i don't have a hazelnut allergy anymore see it's gone it's it, you're actually what i'm what i'm interpreting is that at some point in your immunological momentum as i like to call it your immune mm-hmm. system becomes strong enough and fortified and intelligent where mm-hmm. it corrects the the imbalance if you will and then your body sends you a communication of hey look like you're good to go and then you're and then somehow you know throughout how that complex communication system of the body and intuition is set up you just like oh okay i i guess that that i'm getting a message here so let me try that out and boom you know look you 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 know you're able to test that result so the point i, I guess of that i'm making is that there is a part of us as human beings that is very much intuitive based. And if we learn to um, communicate with that part of us, call it spirit, if you will, um, I think it makes our life a lot, a lot easier um, instead of living in our head and having to have like some kind of diagnostic or analytic model for everything. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you learn to harness that, um, that communication channel at a level that I, I'm not—I don't know what anyone else is experiencing. How could I? I only know what I'm experiencing, mm-hmm. and it's a—it's it really it 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 it, it came down to a, a point where I recognized that I had really found myself in a position of of deep deep love for myself mm. um, that made anything possible, um, and had done enough actions based around love that I knew that I was okay and that's only possible in a self-exploration type model it's not based on somebody telling you that you're okay it's based on you doing the work to the level where where you truly have that deeper love and respect for yourself to know that you are moving through it and uh and, and that everything is 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 where it's supposed to be. Mm, I like that. So you you love yourself enough to make your life your laboratory. It's uh, it's a you know, I, what what to me it's it's that idea of if you're not growing, and this is not my idea. This is everyone's idea. If you're not growing, what are you doing? And and, mm-hmm. and the idea of loving yourself to me is the ultimate growth. The more you can, ex- for me, the more I extend the acts of love, the deeper I love myself. So when I first discovered juicing, it was a very painful experience, yeah. and that's because of the process. You know, you gotta buy the ingredients, and you gotta prep it all, and then you gotta clean it all after. And oh my god! Oh my god. But when you flip the switch on that, and you realize, oh wait a minute, if juicing is is one of the main things that makes me feel unbelievably fantastic, well, can't I look at this entire process? as a much bigger act of love. The going out and buying ingredients, coming home and chopping them up, the, the actual you know, consumption of it, um, the cleaning up process, the sharing it with others. I mean, all of a sudden you go from um, uh, what might have been perceived as a painful or unpleasant to an hour or more experience uh, that is all classified in my books as self-love. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just started looking at more of my actions in those ways of, okay, well, if that's really what's working for me here, what other acts do I perceive as, as a bit painful or what other acts do I already perceive as love and how can I extend them so that I get more out of them? 
And next thing I knew, most of my life was surrounded by longer acts of love. Hmm. I feel like the people that are most successful in any area of their lives are the people that are willing to do the things that they don't want to do until those things become what they want to do. And mm. that, that's a process like you just outlined, like juicing, like the whole preparation and the cleaning and the consistency of doing it may not seem um, really exciting or encouraging if you come from a place where you hadn't been doing that. But over time, you start to feel the results. You feel the energy as you laid out before. And then it flips, right? Then it's like it's enjoyable process. Yeah. 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 You know how this works. I mean... Taste buds are a great example when you when you get over the initial shock of certain plant-based foods, so let's say like spirulina or chlorella, for example, for most that would be a very offensive taste. But as you learn to grow and, and nourish, you realize that it actually is a very enjoyable flavor. Um, you know, that takes a little bit of time. But yeah, there is this acceptance piece and willingness to move through the pain, uh, get uncomfortable. Um, and recognize that the results that we seek in the modern style of the way things are done, um, we need quick results. And as you learn to extend acts of love, um, the results just come so uh, so efficient, so clean, smooth, and continual. Um, and it, it's it's almost as if every day you wake up and you are you you awake excited to explore what new discoveries you're going to have in the next ten minutes, next hour, next you know for the next however long. It just it just never stops. Mm, I like that. It just it's this constant momentum. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's hard, and you know, and, and again, you get into that type of a, a flow, and you then recognize pretty quick when you get knocked off. And I know for me, the number one way I get knocked off is when I have grains. Mm -hmm. When I have any, any grain of any kind, I automatically turn to, and I don't want to swear, so I'll pick another word. But it, it, it takes me back into the exact mindset that had me in the position I was when I was, when I was sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but now I recognize it exactly for what it is, and it, and it's mm-hmm. it is this amazing gut biome, the, the the bacteria communicating in a way where it's like, wow, this is this is this is wild. It is. It's just wild. Mm-hmm. And you and you can feel mentally when you have uh, agitation in that communication network, right? Like it, it's the digestive, the 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 mind body, the mind the brain, the gut brain connection, so well detailed. But you can feel it. It's something you can feel digestively. Like when you have something happen where it doesn't digest properly, somehow your attitude switches, right? Somehow something happens mentally where you're just not on your game. Oh, it's so profound for me now as I continue down this, this road of, of self-discovery. Um, that, that voice gets louder and louder, which is it for me it's just such a beautiful place to have found myself now because it just makes decision making that much easier mm-hmm. i mean i stand in front of a what you know what what used to be like a like for example the cookie aisle again <clears throat> and that would be 
um, a very easy choice to just grab a whole bunch of bags and be on my way, where now it's such an easy choice to look at it and say, not a chance. There's no way I'm going to compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling of being in this euphoric state, it's just, it, it, you know, I, I do compare it to when I start, started climbing and I had that, that amazing feeling of touching, especially when I started climbing outdoors and, and just the movement and the, and the and the connection to nature. When I'm creating just in, in my workspace as well, it's the same flow. It's, it's very much the same, the same connection. Um, and I don't want to compromise my performance by doing the things that I know are going to impede that. And most of that is, is, is a food-based decision. Mm, interesting. Okay, that, that's a good segue. What, um, well, let me ask this question first. What are some of the top tips that you can provide the audience related to that? Because I feel like that's kind of where people find themselves in that transitionary state where they may still be seesawing between what they know works for them or what they or might have a question mark about that. They're still kind of traveling through that journey um, to having the complete conviction where you said like now you look at the cookies and it's like there is no way you would possibly go for that. Um, but that that's a that's almost like a that's a newer behavior, a more recent behavior compared to past behavior, right? So I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people um, are still, and myself included, in just much different ways than before, um, mm-hmm. still have those experiences and those little bit of challenges. So what I guess, yeah, what are some of the top either health or even mental attitude tips that you can share with our audience to help them kind of more gracefully cross that bridge? Yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I never claim to be a science guy. That's not my thing. I'm more of a performance and just want, I want results like anybody else. I just want to feel or experience a result and know the pattern on how I achieved it so that I can do it over and over again. Um, the, the, the number one step that I figured out for myself um, that, um, that I truly believe is, is what we all need to do more of is stabilize our blood sugar. Yeah. Um, and I, and I did that um, through one food more than any other for, for 15 years. And this is that second piece. When I mentioned uh, earlier the rock climbing as kind of like my big aha, the other one was when I, when I got into the, to the mountain culture and training to become a guide, I added one food in really quick because uh, uh, my roommate at the time um, wasn't eating uh, dairy, wasn't eating meat, and that was a very new, uh, new thought process for me to even consider. Um, but he had all the jars of nuts and seeds and, and, and grains at the time. And I said, well, this guy, this kid's pretty weird, but uh, maybe, it, you know, he's strong on skis. He's strong climbing. Maybe it'll work for me. And I tried one of the seeds and it was hemp seeds. Mm. And, um, you know, it was my first, my first real experience of having, having food communicate in a positive way. Um, and I noticed it. I noticed it relatively quick, and that by that I mean within days. Um, and what I was doing is I just started to add it. I started adding it in to everything I was eating. And within about three, four, five days, I, I noticed that I had a little bit more energy. Uh, I noticed that some of my cravings had started to shift, um, and that I, uh, I, I had a little bit better quality sleep. Now, I was being very active, so I'm sure, of course, part of that played a role. But um, the craving piece was the one that really hit me more than any other. Um, and, and I realized that 
I wasn't craving meat as dominant as I had at the time. Uh, I was craving hemp. And I said to myself, well, this is weird, but I'm, I'm, I really want more of that, that, that funny stuff at the time. And so I just kept consuming more hemp seeds, more hemp seeds, and got creative with using them in, in my different you know, snacking options, making milk out of it. And next thing I knew, it became pretty much the number one food that I was consuming and realized really quick that it was stabilizing my blood sugar for me personally. Now, I've been sharing with, with this with you know, hundreds and hundreds of people over the years um, as the first step is just start adding hemp seeds in um, every meal you eat, a tablespoon at a time ideally. Um, if you want to do more, great, do more. But getting a complete protein source um, that's easier to digest from what we normally consume in North America, especially a meat-based diet, um, it, it does do some things that we might not expect energy-wise, cravings-wise, sleep-wise. A whole host of benefits can come from that. So that's definitely number one is just give a try by adding something of real value based on digestion, easier digesting fat, protein, carbohydrate um, that's different from what you're currently doing, but don't change what you're currently doing. Just add this on top so that it's not offensive and not creating any distress emotionally for you to then be mindful enough to recognize that this might actually give you a result that will lead you to doing more. And that's, so that's the number one for sure. I love that. Yeah, I, I definitely have similar advice in that realm. And um, yeah, I'm a humongous fan of hemp seeds and hemp protein. Actually, that's the number one recommended protein um, from the plant-based world that when people ask me, like, what kind of protein powder or what kind of protein food, yeah. you know, this protein is such a, like, such a focused upon subject. And it gets really funny when you actually do the analytics and you find out that um, everything that we thought was rich in protein isn't actually what we thought it was. And um, so that's a whole other thing. But... Mm -hmm. uh, actually, what's interesting about that is that when people do higher amounts of things like spirulina, like chlorella, like hemp protein, um, they actually, for the first time in their life, may be getting real protein, like real nourishment from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I noticed. Absolutely. That's why, you know, doing, doing the smoothies, which is so common for us in this space, we you know we know we know that smoothies and, and juicing is such a critical component of the experience, but um, it, it you know it, it's just such a great delivery system for you to have have the experience or the result to then realize that you have a choice, and that really is all we all we need to get a little motivated is is, an, is the experience hopefully relatively quick so that mm. you know and then and then hopefully there's enough of motivation to seek out more guidance to have more and more of the same experience it's not like okay well i just did that i got the experience and now i guess i know everything and i'm just going to wing it no 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 you got to keep learning you have that's part of the the this comfort piece is training yourself to accept being vulnerable around around the things you don't know based on who are you attracting into your life who are there to be sources of light and the more you're willing to accept others as sources of light, um, they're there for a reason, and they have very powerful tools that are, without a doubt, are going to support you to have another experience, another result, another another result, another experience. And then it's just it just becomes this this really beautiful dance game that you play with yourself of self educating, self experimentation until you until you're uh, you know 
eventually not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, I really love that. So, you know, really, really inviting more and more experiences, more and more desired experiences, and then figuring out or identifying the patterns of like, okay, how did I, I had this really incredible experience. I felt more energy, more clarity, everything. Yesterday, mm. what led up to that? What was the pattern? And what happens when I fall off of that? What's the pattern to that? And then you figure out you do pattern recognition through just yeah. your own experience and identifying these things. Um, and then you start to anchor in the right rituals that help you have more consistent experiences. So I'm curious, what what is your daily routine look like? Yeah, and I, and I appreciate you saying that because it is it's, it does become a ritual. Um, I, I myself created um, uh, something probably ten years ago now, and I called it. I call it in my teaching. I call it my first ten, and I, I outlined it in the book, The Power of Food. Um, my first ten essentially is related to how I spend the first ten minutes of my day. I found out as I was gaining more control over my blood sugar, having more energy having more, more connection to this nourishment for myself and desire to nourish and care about myself, um, I realized that I was, I was open to learning, but the learning was coming in so fast that I didn't understand how to, how to put it into a useful sequence. So, for example, meditation. When I first learned about meditation, it all of a sudden um, landed, but I, I had no way to conceptualize it into my current habitual pattern. So I would meditate for five minutes here, ten minutes there. All of a sudden, I'd, I'd do it at night a little bit, and I'd do it in the afternoon, And but there was no set pattern to it. And eventually, I was kind of like, well, it's not the easiest thing to do. So I'm frustrated when I'm not doing it, and I don't want to feel frustrated, so I'm just going to forget about it. Um, more and more of those types of um, opportunities came up where I was like, okay, i got to put these 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 items that keep coming in, which I know now are energy tools. So another one is affirmations, um, vision boards, you know, all, all the things that help heighten my my energetic experience kept showing up. And I wanted a package so that I could make more sense of how to use them. And what I found was uh, I, I built a bit of a morning practice. So I got up in the morning. Uh, I started to play with intentions. So I wrote down what my intentions were for the day. And would then look at my intentions that I had written down based on what I was looking to achieve over the next one year, five years, so on and so forth. And I begin this practice where I would look at the intention, close my eyes, visualize, feel the energy of having experienced it right now. I'd open my eyes. There my visions, my vision boards would be. So eventually became a vision room where my entire room was just images and pictures of everything I wanted, the book, the, the beautiful home beside the best rock, some of the best rock climbing in the world, beautiful family, the, the consulting, corporate cult consulting business. All of this were, were things that I manifested based on this practice. And, uh, and as, I, as I kind of moved through the practice, um, the, the energy around it really got to a level where my I recognized that my only role after spending that first 10 minutes engaging my intentions, using as much energy to enhance the engagement, my only role was to get out of the space after I was done and pay attention. Because everything that was showing up in my life from emails, phone calls, people I bumped into on the street, whatever it was, everything fit in somewhere to help me fulfill an intention. Mm-hmm. 
And I recognized really quick in doing this process that, oh, wow, I don't, I don't have any questions anymore. I don't, I'm not wondering what my next move is supposed to be over here or what my next move over there is supposed to be. It fits in. It fit, it, it fit in with my intention around my family. It fit in with my intention around business and around career and around relationships. The more I played with intention and wrote it down and, and put it on the put it on through you know through affirmations and vision boards and all the techniques that a lot of us know about, it just it just never had the structure for me on. Okay, so I watched the movie The Secret. Great, I get that. Okay, well, what do I do now? Um, well, for me, this is the package that worked. That all of a sudden, I was able to manifest in a way that I understood my sequence, and it, it, I've been doing it ever since. That's wonderful. I feel as though in society, you know, you mentioned that you had a form of attention deficit disorder, as it's commonly called. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, labels. Yeah, but I feel like in society, oftentimes we get caught up in an intention deficit disorder. And so our intention is not, we just haven't, we just haven't really concretized it, right? We haven't really done the work, so to speak, in, in order to cultivate it, really. So maybe half of us is kind of going in one direction, the other half is going in another, and we're wondering why we're getting mixed results. Yeah. And I feel as though, you know, what comes up for me listening to this is just, um, you know, intention setting is actually an activity, right? Whereas a lot of people that watch The Secret, um, they still are kind of like passive participants in their life. They're not fully engaged in their life. And that's what, in, you know, the intention work that you're talking about and what I'm, I'm gathering from this is that you're, active, you're actually actively engaged in the process which is an action, but it's not, it's, it's also you're setting the tone. You're like tuning up the tuning fork. Yeah. 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 And, and, and everybody is extremely good at manifesting. Oh, yeah. um, we, we just tend to focus on the wrong aspects. So, you know, I have so many family, friends, colleagues, clients who are great manifestors, but where are they putting their attention, energy, and focus? You know, looking at um, at the idea of needing to pay your monthly bills as, a, as an example. When you are strapped for cash and all you can think about is, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? Well, congratulations, you're a manifester. Because you're putting all your attention, energy, and focus towards exactly what you don't want, but yet that's how the system works. It's all energy. We're all made up of, it, of, of the vibrations of what we want to attract. So if that's where you're focusing, then you're absolutely going to continue to create and, and attract crappy relationships if that's where your focus is. If it's on how am I ever going to get out of debt, well, you know, there you go. You're, you're, you're playing the game. You just got to learn to play it to your advantage which is just changing the internal uh, dialogue and linguistics of it, and uh, and it, you'll you'll notice pretty quick that it's it's there for you to 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 use in the opposite. Are there any things that you have found to be helpful in um, in calibrating your intention? So you know, getting more clarity on what it is that you actually are putting into motion. Is there anything that's been helpful for you like that? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. On the nutrition front, more than any other, um, mm -hmm. stabilizing my blood sugar and adding more more fat into my diet. Um, those are the two most profound 
ways that I have enhanced uh, my manifestation powers um, by upping my, obviously, coconut is as the number one fat source for me. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it, it, it has allowed me to really hone in on the, on, on the process of, of energy um, and continually being a, allowed to, 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 to feel fear and to, to be anxious when it comes up and to be stressed, um, you know, to, to allow it to happen, knowing that it's there to serve me. It's not there to control me. Um, it's actually my, my tool to enhance an experience. So, um, I highly, um, highly credit my, uh, my willingness to be allowing and being vulnerable, um, as part of that manifestation process. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, a lot of times we bottle up what wants to come up and then it creates more pressure and then sometimes uh, life has to act on us in order for the, the glass to break, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It's not, you know, it's it, this, uh, this idea of, of feeling, um, you know, I stood up in front of an audience yesterday, a corporate, a corporate group, and, you know, 25 of them, and I asked the question, um, I asked them, how, how do you feel? How do you feel? And, and I see a lot of blank stares, and it's, 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 a, it's an odd place for me to be now um, because I, I, I feel I'm very connected to my feelings. Um, but when I asked that question, I could sense the uncomfortable energy that, um, that, that's being experienced. And so then I put it into a context that makes a little more sense. I said, okay, all right, let's, let's bring it this way. So you're, you're sitting at your desk and you get an email there that comes in one of the 40 or five or 50 that you have to answer in the day. And it, or it, it makes you upset for some reason. Maybe it's a, a very important um, meeting that gets canceled. How does that make you feel? Mm. Oh, Okay, yeah, I get that part. Now I understand. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Okay, well, now that, that, that feeling turns into an action. Mm. Right? This, is, this is the sequence, and you know this. I know you know this because anybody who understands how energy works, we know the feeling turns into an action. The action turns into a habit because your actions that you take over and over again are habits, and that's, that's how you create every result in your life. So for me, it really has been using all these energetic tools to understand that what I am, what I, what I crave most is expansion between how I feel and how I act. I want more space between the, the, the association of how I'm feeling in a given moment before I then decide what I do next. Mm. And, and it's in that place for me that I have my most powerful experiences and that's the present for me mm, that's really wonderful um i'm curious how did uh how did you start focusing or or even why did you start focusing on doing corporate specific lectures uh money yeah yeah you know i i, I found a lifestyle that i liked i like to be outside i like to be active um i now have a very young family a two-year-old and a four-year-old um, and so I knew that I wanted family at some point and I kept thinking to myself, boy, you know, for, for those of us who don't want to, um, just go about our everyday experience, um, feeling a bit like a slave, which is what I felt like. That was my own experience. I'm not saying that that's anybody else's, but 
if you're working a nine to five, six, five day a week, you know, you're spending more time at work than you are at home. And I didn't want that unless it was going to be for a company that understood how to give me purpose, how to give me passion, how to give me a sense of community, which we lack so much of in the corporate culture, but it's shifting in a big way because depression is really the number one health care cost for companies North America wide. And there's a reason for that. And I didn't want that. And I, I recognize that I have that background and being in corporate and did a bunch of uh, self-exploration around how, how to use a coaching model and, and said to myself, well, you know, maybe, maybe I need to be in service to those who are like me, who, who are just lacking that sense of belonging and, uh, and are now spending most of their time at work on social channels trying to find some sort of meaning. And it just it, it's a bit of a sad state, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity. Even 10 years ago when I started, I'm still ahead of the curve, and we're 10, 12 years later. It's, it's just now becoming part of the corporate dialogue of how important psychological health um, and safety is to your employees. So, uh, you know, I, I encourage any, any one of us who have a, a powerful message to, to find your area where, where it makes sense to, to share the most powerful message to those that, that you can serve as possible. And for me, it was definitely that, the corporate world because that was my experience. Yeah, well, you know, I asked the question because um, a part of my career direction and growth is definitely wanting to go in... Uh, in some some shape or form, wanting to do lectures and wanting to work in in people that are in the corporate settings, like for Pixar and um, Disney and and these and Google and these bigger companies, these create where there's a lot of creative energy, um, but people are also behind a desk and they're and these companies are very powerful and they have influence on how our world is being directed. And I also, and I yeah. also I also realize that it's it's really just a conglomerate of people at the end of the day having conversations. So if if um, you know me being the voice that I am, the the you know the person that I am, I want to be able to help communicate a powerful message that's going to help those people communicate more powerful and inspired messages amongst each other, which might actually change the way that the companies are you know. Uh, influencing the world and it's coming uh, i mean with with you know some of the bigger companies such as the apples and bell and um, googles i mean it's such a, a powerful retention issue when you have the millennial generation who have taken over the workforce in many sectors and they don't want just a paycheck they, obviously paycheck is nice but they want more and and it really is about again purpose and experience and, and culture and community and if you as a company don't give it to them they're going to go somewhere else so it's a retention issue and it's a talent issue you're you're not able to retain quality talent so in a position such as yourself who has a powerful message to share you get in front of a decision maker and let them know why your message is so important to helping them to retain the quality people it, it, it's an easy sell um, and mm. and it's one that's definitely becoming more and more part of what those types of companies are seeking out. Because having, having you know, look at Silicon Valley and no shortage of articles talking about how unhealthy um, the people who are, are on the ground floor of it all, 
you know, the, the food programs that they run for a lot of them, yes, they're definitely shifting and getting healthier, but, you know, it's just unlimited access to as much food as you want to eat, and it's mostly snacking items. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of bizarre that that's, that's pretty much still the case when you want your teams to be highly productive and highly uh, cognitive functioning and, and creative and collaborative. Well, when you're hopped up on sugar, yeah, you're still going to get performance, but it's nowhere near what you're going to get when they're getting the right nutrients into them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally in agreement. I love that. Yeah. Okay. What, um, as we conclude this great conversation, um, what are, what's, a an insight or two that you'd love to just leave the audience with? Yeah, I definitely, uh, this idea of, uh, of creating a, a shift in an experience, a result without having to create massive change to get it um, is is a real important piece to to hopefully uh, digest and take away um, you know this the idea of adding something as as powerful as hemp seeds without having to give up your chocolate cake or whatever you're about to eat <laughs> adding in a tablespoon three times a day and I, I encourage everybody to do the seven day challenge uh, seven days of adding one tablespoon to breakfast one to lunch one to dinner for the next seven days so go out and buy a bag of hemp and let that be, if it is your first step, great, that's your first step. Seven days, pick a partner, have an accountability partner, maybe it's a loved one, of uh, your husband, your, your wife, your whoever it is, do it together, have the experience, um, and then notice how you feel, because it's the feeling is what's going to guide you um, to having the different experience, when you can be that grounded and in, in that present moment to how you're feeling, to notice how that uh, is making a shift, and that that's... There's definitely the big one I'd like to share out there. Mm, great advice. Really appreciate that. And that's also something that no matter how advanced we are on the path, it's so simple and universal that I could easily apply that to where I'm at. Like I could easily do that with anything in my life. Like, oh, seven days to change a, a habit or like, okay, seven days, no complaining. Let's go. You know, <laughs> it, you know we're, yeah. we're endlessly working on ourselves, right? So... I, I really like that that advice, and I encourage everyone listening to apply it to any area of your life that you want to uh, you want to experience growth, experience better results in. And you know, for for those of us who are a bit more along this path, who I can appreciate in our community, um, there's a lot of us who are doing the the two to C business model, the direct to consumer business model. Mm. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. I, I, it's a it's a very noisy space. Totally. And to me, I'm just in the position where it just doesn't feel good anymore. Mm. I don't enjoy it. I played there for a very long time. Um, so I'll, I'll throw this for those of us who do have a message to share and are looking for our audience. Find a different business model. Doesn't mean you have to change what you're currently doing, but it, it takes a lot of time, energy, and money to break through the clutter in order for you to finally reach where you're putting that passion towards. And I get it. I totally get it. But there's other opportunities that are maybe slipping us by because we're so tunnel vision on trying to follow the uh, Amy Porterfield, Lewis House, all these, all these types. Mm -hmm. And in the nutrition world, we know who they are as well. And it's, it's leading many of us down a path of a bit of pain. Mm -hmm. and, it's un and it's unfortunate, and it doesn't have to be that way. So I would, I would encourage... On, on, on that side, maybe spend just a couple of hours um, closing your eyes and visualizing what shows up on other areas that you can maybe tap in to sharing your unbelievable, powerful message. 
Mm, I really, I really love that you just said that, and that definitely resonates with me and how I'm changing the the direction of my own personal business model and experimenting. But I definitely resonate with that. That that hits a big chord with me. So uh, you know, I look forward to some more conversations in that world. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for this great conversation. Where can everyone find out about your work, get your book, all that? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, powerfood.com is, uh, is my main uh, website. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Power of Food. I'm on uh, Instagram at Power of Food. And uh, Facebook, you can find me at Adam Hart. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciate your time, Ronnie, and, and all the work that you do. And I look forward to uh, spending more powerful energy together and collaborating. Uh, the Power Food book, you can find at any major bookstore or uh, Amazon is a great location as well. Mm, wonderful. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our special guest, Adam Hart. Check out his beautiful book. Um, check out his beautiful website, too, by the way. A really incredible website. Um, and the incredible work that he's doing out there in the world. And until next time, much aloha, peace, and blessings. We'll tune in to you guys with the next episode.